Hey, Lulu here. Whether we are romping through science, music, politics, technology, or feelings, we seek to leave you seeing the world anew. Radiolab adventures right on the edge of what we think we know, wherever you get podcasts. You're listening to The Takeaway. I'm Melissa Harris-Perry. Green Douglas fir where the waters cut through Down her wild mountains and canyons she flew Canadian Northwest to the ocean so blue It's roll on Columbia, roll on Your power is turning our darkness to dawn Roll on Columbia, roll on Travel with me to the place that we now know as the Pacific Northwest, to the Columbia River, which flows for over 1,200 miles from the Canadian Rockies through Idaho into Washington and then Oregon before emptying into the Pacific. Before white settlers and missionaries, before boats, barges, and dams, and before broken promises, the Columbia River was brimming with life. Indigenous tribes fished the Columbia's bountiful waters. If you stuck your hand in the water, I mean, you might just catch a fish. No, seriously, every year, tens of millions of salmon made the pilgrimage back to their birthplace, to the spawning grounds of the Columbia River, to carry on the survival of the species. You could go out on this river and set one net and you harvested enough fish that you didn't need to set a second net. And I swam in this river when there was hundreds of thousands of salmon. And it's a different feeling when you have so much life that's using this river as a, a ways to get to their final destination. That's Randy Settler, a Yakima tribal fisherman. Now, the salmon were so bountiful along the Columbia River, they were in many ways the foundation of life for indigenous tribes like the Yakima, who have lived in these ancestral lands for thousands of years. The Columbia River is home to uh, several Native American tribes that refer to themselves as the Salmon People. My name is Katie Campbell. I'm a documentary filmmaker with ProPublica. And I'm director of the documentary film Salmon People, a native fishing family's fight to preserve a way of life. The Yakima people have been fishing for salmon since time immemorial. It's been the bedrock of, of their economy. It's not just a food that they eat. It is a major source of their diet, but it is also the basis of their cultural practices and their religious and spiritual practices. Salmon People highlights the story of Randy Settler and his family. My connection to this land, knowing that if I look west, if I look north, if I look south, if I looked east, that our families are buried all along this river. Our ancestors are buried here, and that there was great civilizations here of people who were able to do great things. We drank the river water. We bathed in the river water. We lived on the banks of the river year-round. The Columbia River is not what it once was. Today, the river is a major source of hydroelectric power. But the salmon 
are disappearing, and along with them, the salmon people who are fighting to preserve their way of life. On the Yakima Reservation, I caught my first big fish when I was two or three years old. The takeaway spoke with Randy Settler, who vividly recalls the first fish he ever caught. I was fishing with all um, my family, my brother, other families that were uh, all around us. We were all related and got that fish up that was probably as big as me. I mean, in terms of length, the uh, oldest of the boys that was there, he told me that I had to give that fish to an elder. That was a custom and tradition. And so carried that fish up past our home gave it to his grandmother. Her name was Mary. She prayed for me and thanked me for the catch in our traditional language, our uh, Yakima Nation language. So my whole life's been about fishing. Now the number of salmon on the Columbia River has dwindled from tens of millions per year to just over a million. And there are many reasons for that. Extensive damming, overfishing, habitat loss, and now climate change. In order to understand the present and future of the Columbia River, it's important to understand its past. And the declining health of the river and its salmon populations are inextricably linked to a legacy of oppression that the Columbia River's indigenous tribes have endured. And here again is Katie Campbell. So a lot of the Pacific Northwest tribes were forced to sign treaties under the threat of violence in the 1800s. But those treaties guaranteed that the tribes would have salmon forever. But in the years since then, the U.S. government broke those agreements in several ways. First, like immediately after signing the treaties, Mm -hmm. the U.S. government let commercial fishers deplete the salmon runs to the point that the salmon runs were collapsing. So overfishing was the first blow. But then the federal government started building dams in the 1930s. And today, there are more than 400 dams that have been built in the Columbia River Basin. And those dams have drastically altered the river, blocking salmon from spawning habitat and destroying tribal fishing sites and villages. And that is a direct violation of the treaty language signed by the U.S. government with the tribes that reserved the right for the tribes to fish in all of their quote-unquote usual and accustomed places. And that legacy is personal to Randy, which he can trace back directly to his ancestor, Tukakis, also known as Old Chief Joseph. It's been a struggle, uh, not just for my family, but thousands of families to maintain that connection to the salmon. More on that when we come back on The Takeaway. Hi, I'm Alexis Ohanian. You may know me as one of the co-founders of Reddit, but more recently, a large part of my identity is being a father to my wonderful daughters. In my podcast, Business Dad, I hope to open the conversation about working parents a bit. You'll get to hear from a wide range of business dads, from Rain Wilson and Guy Raz to Todd Carmichael and Shane Battier, to find out how they balance being a dad with a successful career. Business Dad is available now 
So be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Takeaway. We're continuing our look at the salmon people of the Pacific Northwest. We've been talking with Randy Settler, a Yakima tribal fisherman. His great-great-great-grandfather, Old Chief Joseph, advocated for peace with white occupiers and signed an early treaty with the U.S. government in 1855. Only a few years later, the government betrayed the treaty, seizing almost all of the tribe's remaining land. And throughout the next hundred years, stretching into the 1940s and 50s, the Yakima people were repeatedly and forcefully removed from their land to make way for dams and even nuclear weapons facilities. Here's what Randy Sedler said. The United States government removed people from the Columbia River forcefully to reservations, and those that wouldn't remove, they were... um, killed and sold into slavery. That relocation happened into the 1940s when the government was building the Hanford Nuclear Reservation where they built the atomic bombs. And those people that lived in those areas, bands of the Yakima Nation were removed and bands of other tribes besides the Yakima Nation were removed. Throughout this history, the tribes of the Columbia River sought to have the treaties enforced through the courts. We, as tribal people, had to litigate even into the early 1900s, throughout the 1900s, where tribal people were trying to exercise their treaty rights to provide their ceremonial food and any kind of commercial opportunity that they had. So it's been a struggle. Uh, not just for my family, but thousands of families to maintain that connection to the salmon. And even as commercial fishing grew, so too did activism. Here again is filmmaker Katie Campbell. State governments, Washington and Oregon, spent several decades adopting laws that cut Native Americans out of the salmon harvest. And as an act of civil disobedience, Native Americans would fish without a state permit, and they would hold fish-ins as public protests, and tribal people would often get harassed or threatened with violence for fishing. So, So when Randy was eight years old, he saw his parents being arrested for the first time, mm-hmm. dragged into a police car for fishing. And they were arguing that they didn't need to have the state's permission because they had these treaties with the federal government that guaranteed them the right to fish for salmon. Some of those arrests became the basis for lawsuits that challenged those state laws. And then some of those lawsuits went on to the all the way to the Supreme Court and helped reclaim the treaty rights, securing the right to half of the harvestable fish and establishing the tribe's right to regulate their own salmon harvests and even have a say in managing the river and the salmon. And while there were some victories for the salmon people, the fight has now shifted to a new front. It's interesting, as Randy has grown up, the fight and the work has changed. It became more about making sure that there's actually fish to catch. And by the time the tribes reclaimed their access to salmon, more than a hundred different populations had been driven extinct, and many more were on the brink. So tribes began the work of resuscitating salmon runs with habitat improvements and hatcheries 
that they themselves had specifically designed to aid wild fish. There are over 60 major dams in the Columbia River Basin, and once they were built, salmon habitats were lost. Additionally, the explosion of commercial fishing that followed after the dams were constructed and the overfishing that resulted has further decimated salmon populations. Indigenous tribes of the Columbia River Basin are waging a multi-front fight to restore salmon populations and preserve their way of life. After fighting for their right to fish their ancestral land, they're now up against another threat, climate change. And here again is Katie Campbell, filmmaker and director of the ProPublica film, Salmon People. As temperatures rise in rivers and oceans, salmon struggle to survive. They are cold water fish. So if a river water is too warm, salmon stop migrating upstream. And then it also contributes to things like algal blooms and parasites and diseases can thrive. And salmon can't reproduce and they end up dying from stress and disease. So tribal people have seen these die-offs. In the spring of 2022, the tribal catch for the early season of Chinook, a species of salmon, was just over a million pounds. It was the worst spring season in 22 years. And Randy also says that the fish have gotten smaller. The majority of our fish are all smaller. Even in the larger runs where we had the largest salmon, the summer Chinook, we're fortunate if we see a 26, 27 pounder. When back in the early 60s, we could catch salmon and they would be well over 30 pounds and bigger, 40 pounds, 45 pounds. Months into President Biden's administration, the White House met directly with leaders of the Columbia River tribes. The Biden administration acknowledged that what is happening on the Columbia River is an environmental justice crisis. And over the next year, the administration says it will decide whether to take what is considered an unprecedented step of removing some of the dams within the Columbia River Basin system and reintroducing salmon to areas of the Columbia where they've been extinct for nearly a century. Despite the U.S. government's history of broken promises to the Yakima people and other Columbia River tribes, Randy Settler is hopeful, but also acknowledges the realities of the continuing struggle. The president did more for tribal people in a short two-year time period than we've ever witnessed in our lives. I, for one, applaud him, but it's just a short period of time. The amount of degradation, the amount of environmental changes that have occurred, not one administration, not two administrations are going to benefit the changing environment we're in. So for the tribes of the Columbia River Basin, the fight continues. And as we finish our conversation with him, he summoned the perseverance of salmon as a source of inspiration to carry on the fight of the salmon people. There's this thinking that fish don't have no feelings. Now I've been on those banks, on those rocks, looking down in the water, and I've seen these fish jumping up those falls. It's truly amazing. And once in a while, you'll see a salmon that jumps and it gets hit by a different cascade of water. And it forces that salmon to the bank. And you're looking at that salmon and it's flopping. It can't get back into the water. And I've seen those males come out of the water 
and bite onto those fins of that female and drag her back into the water. And it's truly remarkable. You talk about Wakanishmi Wakishwit, the spirit of the salmon, these living things that we value so much and we've been linked to so long to see their journeys. It's remarkable that no matter what I can say, until you see it, you can't really believe how these salmon care for each other. And so that's what I'd like to share. Thanks to both Katie and Randy for sharing their insights and experiences with us here at The Takeaway. And if you want to know more, you can watch the ProPublica film by Katie Campbell called Salmon People, a native fishing family's fight to preserve a way of life. It's available for free at ProPublica.org. Music.